What's up, podcast? Today's episode is from the live stream Wednesday, July 24th, 2019, which was yesterday. If you're listening to it right now, today's Thursday, July 25th, when this airs, uh, because I verbally committed to getting episodes out the following day. I don't know what I'm thinking. But anyway, without further ado, this one is with David Bellinger. Uh, He's a cybersecurity expert and a stick fighting expert. And he draws on the many, many parallels between martial arts and cybersecurity. Enjoy this one. So Dave, dude, thanks for being in the studio today. Thanks Uh, for having me. Really appreciate it. You guys can all hear us on LinkedIn, okay? Um, Good morning, everyone. I see you there. Guillermo, Trevor, Anthony, what's going on? Janet. Thanks for uh, spending this morning with us today. So Dave, let's get right into it. You are a cybersecurity expert. Let's, uh, let's take it back to your, your background here. How long have you been uh, fighting with sticks? Is it stick fighting, uh, right? Is it literally called stick it's fighting? It's Filipino stick fighting. Filipino the the stick actual fighting. name is Arnis, um, and I can kind of tell you the differences Arnis? between the different Filipino styles. It's okay. Arnis, A-R-N-I-S. Okay, Arnis. all right. So uh, this August, it'll be 29 years. Um, I actually started um, in high school. Uh, I started in, in Chinese Kenpo, and uh, through some people that I met there, we thought we'd try Filipino stick fighting. Right, right. Um, that was called Modern Arnis at the time. Uh, the grandmaster was uh, Remy Prices, uh, very well renowned in the Philippines as a stick fighter. Um, but um, I, I quickly saw that the Filipino stick fighting was more practical than what I was doing in the Kenpo, so I left the Kenpo behind. I, I reached brown belt before I decided to just leave it behind and switch to the modern Arnis. Um, and then through the modern Arnis, I, I was just dedicated to that for several years and then started to branch out and experiment with other Filipino styles primarily. Um, the uh, the thing for me was the, the practicality of it. What a lot of people don't realize is um, when, you, when you take most martial arts, you have to invest a lot of time before you're introduced to weapons. The Filipino martial arts are the opposite of that. You start your first day in class with a pair of sticks and you learn double sticks, single stick, and other, other weaponry. But by learning it with the sticks, you sort of build this, this roadmap in your brain, uh, a roadmap of movements. Um, and it helps you with your ambidexterity. So um, when I'm learning techniques to defend myself, I, I, might, I might parry or, or defend with my stick, and then my empty hand down here can do something independent. In other words, I'll block, and then while I'm counter-striking with the stick, my empty hand here is twisting their wrists and disarming their weapon. And the oh. two hands are, are working independently of one another. And so one of the benefits of training with the double sticks is not that I would go out uh, and get in a street fight using two sticks, but it's training over a long period of time in this abstract way how to use my right and my left hand independently. So how, how do you actually do that? Like how do you, uh, and you know, my, my daughter just started taking martial arts, so let me add some context. She just started taking martial arts. She's only three, right? So it's like, it's funny at this point, like what they're doing. Sure, yeah. Nothing serious yet, but she loves it. And I never got into martial arts. I kind of wish I did. It's never too late, right? It's never too so late. So I might actually, you've invited me to a stick fighting class. I might take you up on that. Great. But um, I, I remember I was talking with somebody and they said, it's completely backwards to like what your instinct is. Like you got to train yourself to like forget about your instincts. Like if somebody, I don't know, example, you, you'll do a better job than me, but example, if somebody's like coming at us with a gun, my first initial thought would probably be to turn and run, whereas somebody who's trained might actually run at them. 
right? Yeah. So it's it's a mindset. It's and it's not, you know, everybody's a, a, everybody's unique. So it kind of depends from one person to the next. But um, really, there's two different there's two different broad categories of skills that you learn: the abstract and the literal. So the literal are when when you come into the school, I'll teach you a power strike. You'll grab a stick and you'll swing it really hard. And, and that is a literal drill. The abstract is, for instance, the Sinwali, where you take two sticks and you work with a partner. And over time, you learn a, 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 a more long range set of skills, including ambidexterity, flow, uh, the fluidity of movement between uh, blocking and counterattacking, um, and things like that. So with that longevity and training, you can start to develop a mindset, which is one of the things that we'll, we'll work on today is how do you develop that um, threat-aware mindset? Uh, and there's a little exercise that we can do that, that I'll show you how to get there with. Nice, so you're already leading us into how this plays into cybersecurity. Sure. Um, so real quick before that, just more, more background. Um, just give us a quick background of your professional career and you know, maybe how you got into martial arts. Kind of sure. touch on both for us real quick. So, uh, like the martial arts, around the same time, I had uh, started working um, desktop support. And when I say desktop support, it was, it was really more of a general IT. Um, I worked on servers, I worked on desktops, I just did whatever. Um, I moved from Massachusetts. Uh, so when I was in Massachusetts, a uh, stick fighting friend of mine and I, we opened a school. Um, and I thought I was going to be a martial arts school owner. Um, and that was going to be my career. But um, you quickly find out that that is a very difficult venture. Um, for every three students that sign up, you get one or two that quit. And it's, uh, it's, hard, to, you know, it's hard to pay rent and things like that. But I'd, already, I'd always had this uh, um, ability with computers. And uh, uh, off, I was offered a job in Colorado. So I, I left, I uh, sold my portion of the school to my partner, and I moved to Colorado Springs. I was there for three years, um, went to work for MCI WorldCom, met a group of people there who then moved to Texas around 98, um, working for a telecom company. So I followed them. Um, while I was there, uh, I, I was getting progressive, more progressive in the responsibility. They, want. they asked me to take help desk. They um, gave, gave me control of the data center, which was really kind of a definitive moment for me in my career. They said, do you want to build a data center? I said, I don't know a whole lot about it, but sure, let's give it a shot. So um, sure, I, I worked with a guy who did have experience with it and um, kind of walked through the, uh, in terms of domains, it was the physical and environmental domain. Um, we built the data center from the ground up, and then he said, we want to manage it. So I was a data center manager there for eight years. Um, again, the, the company was on a decline, and it was like eight years of layoffs. So every time they want another round of layoffs, they say, hey, Dave, will you take this? Will you take backups? Will you take sysadmins? Do you take this? Will you take that? So I was just collecting all these different areas and building up this experience. Um, the group of people that, uh, several of the people that I had worked with at Excel left and moved to, uh, to another company, and I followed them there. And that's really when I started to dig into security. Um, and so 11 years there, um, I had started off on server support and uh, server hardening and patching and all that. Uh, they asked me to take help desk. I took the help desk. I had backups. I had 
um, responsibility for all of these things that kind of tied into, although I didn't really consider it security at the time. Mm -hmm. And then just through progression, I officially took on security and um, grew the program from there, basically from nothing to a uh, to uh, you know a full organization with a you know a large staff, a SOC, a GRC, and and everything. A SOC and all, huh? Mm -hmm. So so with your it was, know, a faux sock. A faux sock? it was a faux sock. A faux sock. It was a. I call it a faux sock. Yeah. It, it was. It was a. It was a sock. We called it a sock. Yeah. Um, it was. It was. But it was immature. It was in the immature stages. Okay. So it wasn't like you're thinking people answering the phones and responding 24/7. It, it had not reached that point. Yeah. So professional interest, cybersecurity all the way. Absolutely. Personal interest, stick fighting is up there with you. Like number Absolutely, one and it's interesting because it was for for a long, long time. I kept the two completely separate, and there are probably people. Still today that I worked with for 10, 15 years ago, yeah, I think that Dave guy does karate. I think, he, I think I heard he does something. I just never talked about it. And I never really put the connection of the, of the two things together until, until just recently. Um, but when you do, I mean, you really, uh, it's really a very similar mind, mindset. So in, so if you're watching on LinkedIn, thank you for tuning in. Good morning, Fanny, Fanny Trevor, Ryan. Good morning, Ryan. Ryan's the guy who actually put us in hey, Ryan. contact. He's watching. He's a good guy. Thanks for tuning in. So uh, we're going to be taking your questions. We're also going to be taking your calls, right? So um, if you want to chat with us, put your phone number right here in the feed. I'm going to call one of you guys up uh, later part of the show. So we'd love to get some, some uh, contestants for that. Uh, and then so – Continuing here, moving onward. So help us, help us with the, the parallels between stick fighting and cybersecurity. We're going to see some more of your moves here in a little sure. bit. Sure, we'll do that activity too. But help us bridge that gap between what are what are the parallels that you've noticed? Your the, big, the biggest parallel is around threat modeling and threat intelligence and the the, the preparedness mindset. So um, the the exercise will really help explain the the. Uh, paradigm between tactical and strategic. Okay, well, let's so, just ju let's jump okay, let's straight into the exercise. Sure. Is this something that people listening on the podcast version can I, do as well? I, yes, I would hope that they would. It, it, we'll just pull over first to do this? It, or? I would pull over. Uh, <laughs> it's a mental, it's just a mental exercise, right. and, and I would encourage everybody, you know, it's very simple when you hear it, um, but um, it's something that I run through with my students, and it's something that you should do anytime that um, anytime you're just sitting around and you want to think, okay, you know, how can I be safer? Yeah. Um, so let's let's start off with this exercise. And Kyle, I'm going to use I'm going to use sure. you to answer sort of these questions. Okay. So I'm going to set up a scenario for you. All right. And we'll see, you know, how you think you would respond. Okay. So put yourself in your own house. Okay. 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 What's your address? <laughs> uh, put yourself in your own house. All right, do I can close my eyes for this or keep them open? You don't. You can just keep them open. Okay. Uh, so you're you're in the eye shot of. Your door, front door, back door, whatever the door is. Put Does it matter? Screen. Doesn't matter. Front door. Right. It's a door. A door. You you can see it. Okay. You're standing. You're sitting. Whatever whatever you you know whatever you want in this situation. Um, the door is kicked in, and an attacker comes in with a meat cleaver. What are you gonna do? Turn and run? I don't know. Okay, so I don't know. Yeah. So so let's start. Look around you. Yeah. In this fictional place where you are. First of all, I will say it's a very bad situation to be in to try to respond to somebody with a meat cleaver if you're empty. Is it just me in the house? It's just at this point, it's just it's you. only me. No one yeah. else in the house. Yep. Okay. So because that that would the con that context it'll matters. There's there's a lot of other. Like is my whole family in the house? Because then, yeah. 
I'm not going to try to run. You're going to respond differently. So there's yeah. a whole bunch of other contextual right. things we'll talk about okay. um, later. But for now, think about what's around you. All right. Is there an object? Maybe you, you know, maybe you're in the living room and grab a, a lamp that has a specific shape. If I'm looking, at, if I'm looking at my front door, that means I'm standing in my kitchen, basically. Okay, a, a toaster. Let's say you grab the toaster. Is that, would that be something that would be no, close to you? Wouldn't I, would, grab. I have knives on Is the there, counter. Okay, knife. Great. Grab, yeah. grab a knife. That's, okay. So here, here's the problem. You're you're in because you'd never thought about this scenario. You are in a micro tactical situation. You are in a situation of responding to the threat in the moment the threat is happening. So, right. are you trained to, to use a knife? Are you trained against a combatant with a meat cleaver? Probably, Porcelain. probably well, not. But well, who no. knows? I'm guessing. Who knows? I'm guessing. Well, in this in this case, it's you. So. Well, I'm not. Yes. You're not. But who knows how skilled that meat cleaver is? He a butcher by day trade? Like who you knows? You don't know. We'll get into that in a second. You don't know what his motivations right. or his skill set are. Right. You just know you've got to do something. So, he kicked in your front door and is heading straight for you, while your mind is thinking about. What do I grab? Where do I go? How do I respond? You're losing precious seconds in this encounter, but you know you have to respond. So your risk is so high at this point that you should have, we should back out of this situation and look at this from a, a higher level and see how you might address it. But for now, let's just agree your risk is exponentially high in this situation and it's probably not going to go very well. Mm -hmm. So. Okay, so let's back up a second. Okay. Let's back up, let's say, a week. We'll just pick a, we'll pick a time. Sure. We back up a week. Um, you come home from work and you say, um, gee, what if somebody kicked in my front door with a meat cleaver or something else? What'd I do? You know what? I, I'm going to, let's just, for the, for the purpose of the conversation, uh, we'll use the stick as an example. Mm -hmm. The great thing about a stick is it's it's pretty generic in shape and size and then when we're in a class we train with different size and shape and weight of stick to kind of adjust so you get used to handling different things but a stick could represent anything it could be a stick it could be a tire iron it could be a pipe an umbrella uh, anything of similar size so you can you can do the techniques um, and and respond with uh, at a tactical level with this, with a stick or an umbrella or, or a similar shape. So let's say, for in purposes of this conversation, we're talking about stick. So you say, what if somebody kicks in my front door? I'm going to take my stick and I'm going to put it right here so I know exactly where it is when I'm in this room. And when that happens, I'll go for my stick. Okay, same situation. A guy kicks in your front door or your, your back door comes in with a meat cleaver. Now what do you do? Go grab your stick. You go grab the stick. Because you plan for it. Because you plan for it. The other thing is, you had this in your mind already. You, you'd already visualized this happening. So this isn't the first time this has happened to you. Now, he might kick in your door with something else. He might come in with a pipe or a knife or whatever, but it doesn't matter. You can, you can think through those scenarios and, and adjust your response based on uh, what is actually happening to, you, happening to you at the moment. But the important thing is, You've thought about it in advance, and instead of going, uh, uh, what do I do? And, and there's guys that are going, why is this guy trying to grab a toaster? Or, or looking around for a knife or whatever. He, he sees you hmm, grab a stick, and you're coming at him. So you've just changed the dynamic of the whole encounter and decreased your risk uh, a whole lot. Because now that guy's thinking, oh, what did I just get myself into? 
So, so at the end of the exercise, we're going to we're going to do the same exercise through the eyes of the attacker. Okay. And I'm kind of give everybody some insight into what's what's going to happen on that end. That is, so, that is a really fascinating okay. way to look at all of this. So, okay, so scenario two is macro tactical. It's macro tactical because you're still living for the encounter. You're still preparing for the encounter. What you really want, the situation you really want to be in is the strategic situation. So now let's pull ourselves out again. And now let's go back to an undetermined amount of time prior to incident. You say, okay, what if somebody kicks in my door with a meat cleaver? What do I do? So, okay, I'm going to select a stick. I'm going to say a stick. Do I know how to use a stick? So, well, maybe. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. Um, maybe I should get some training with a, with a stick. If this, is, if this is the weapon of choice to defend myself against this um, you know, imaginary assailant, then I should probably learn how to use it. So then you sign up for class and you go to class and you run through, you run through the basics. You build your foundation. You always build a foundation before you jump right into sparring. You never take a student off the street and say, oh, your first day here, spar with this guy who's been training for three years. Okay, because one, it would not do any good for your confidence, and it's just not a practical. You don't have any anything to work yeah, from. Baseline, yeah. So you have to establish the, the baseline. So you establish the baseline. You say, okay, what else might he attack me with? Well, he might attack me with this weapon, with this weapon, with this weapon. So I'm going to have my stick, and I'm going to have my training, and I'm going to go to class, and I'm going to learn how to respond mentally and physically to this imaginary event that's happening. So then you go home, um, let's say a, a year goes by, you've been training with your, your stick, you've reached a point where you do some sparring exercises, and when we do sparring, we spar with different, with different things. As you progress in the art, you, you, know, you might be, so one person has one weapon, one person has another, one person has a weapon, one person's empty hand, and you learn how to respond to these. So now, you're at your house, you say, Okay, through my strategy I learned I should set my alarm. So I say, okay, I have an alarm. I'm gonna set my alarm when I'm at home. I'm gonna make sure all my doors are locked. I'm gonna make sure my windows are locked. I'm gonna set my alarm. I'm gonna have my stick and I'm gonna put my stick right here so I know, know where to get it. So now, the assailant kicks in your door, steps through with a meat cleaver. He's greeted by the sound of your alarm going off. What do you do? Grab the stick. You grab the stick. Right. Your response is here to the stick, here to face your assailant. So now your assailant has a decision to make. Number one, he, well, he's got two decision points. One is he's probably thinking there was some level of risk in getting caught in going into this situation. He kicks in your door, he hears the alarm. That risk now goes up. So his decision point number one is do I run or do I proceed? Decision point number two, is he was going to assault you to get to whatever he wanted to steal. Now he's looking you in the eye, and you're looking back at him in the eye with your stick. So he's got decision point number two. Do I stay or do I go? Okay, so your risk has now decreased to a more acceptable level. Um, his risk has now increased beyond an acceptable level. So... Um, depending on his motivation, and I never say uh, it's an absolute because you never know what situation will bring, but depending on his situation, he's probably going to turn and run at that point. Right. So, um, 
We see the strategic. Your strategic should feed your macro tactical. The macro tactical, which is being prepared for that specific situation, will feed your micro tactical. You see, one feeds the other. You never want to be in a situation where you're responding at the micro tactical level because your risk is too high and you're not prepared. You're basically caught flat-footed, um, if you will. So um, when you look at that whole situation, now here's your template for addressing risk in your life in, in other areas. And we can look at other scenarios. For instance, um, you start a new job downtown. You have a parking garage next to your building. You go to work. Uh, walk yourself mentally through the situation because you might see things that you would do differently to avoid the risk. In the parking lot situation, uh, you might park somewhere different. Uh, the, the last place you want to be is uh, walk into your car at 11 o'clock at night because you had to stay late. You're parked in the back of the parking garage. There's no lights. There's no cameras. There's no guard. And somebody steps out from between some cars to attack you. You're now micro-tactical. Mm -hmm. You now are resigned to use whatever skill set. Uh, people don't rise to the occasion. Mm -hmm. They default to their training. So do you have the training at this point to deal with this attacker? Um, so there are literally, literally like unlimited variations of situations of context here. And that's kind of the same thing in cybersecurity land, right? There's an unlimited variable Unlimited variables of situations that can occur and will Absolutely. occur. And, and if you apply the same, the same logic to a website hack, um, do you want a 2 o'clock call that your website has been hacked the first time that you've thought about your website being hacked? Uh, from a micro-tactical level, that is the worst place to be. So you'll get up and you respond. Um, you know, you find that you don't... You, you have to wake up a network guy. They have to block the IP. They have to find the IP. They got to block it at the firewall. Um, from a from a macro tactical perspective, let's say you had the for uh, the foresight to put an IPS in place, uh, maybe even a, a web application firewall. Uh, so now the same the same event happens. And what are some of the likely things that can happen to you? Uh, your WAF wasn't tuned properly. So uh, you got an alert, the website's been hacked, uh, SQL injection, your WAF didn't catch it. The simplest, you know, the, the simplest thing, you tune your WAF properly, it's going to catch SQL injection. You missed it, you know? And the reason you missed it is because way before any of that happened, you didn't take a strategic approach to securing the website. And that is looking at, you know, threat modeling and looking at all the possibilities of the site getting hacked and saying, well, we need to put these controls in place but not only do we need to put the t controls in place, we need to have a response plan so that I know exactly who to call, uh, I know exactly what to do, and I need to penetration test the website to test to make sure that those tools are doing what they what should be do, doing, yeah. what they're designed to do. Uh, sparring in martial arts is the penetration testing of the martial arts world. Uh, and if you don't do it, you're never really sure that uh, your controls are going to be effective for whatever situation you're in. Sparring is the penetration testing. All right. Uh, yeah, I like that one. You can quote me on that. Yeah. Sparring is the penetration testing. All right. Uh, that, 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 re that really resonated with me just now when you said that. That was cool. Okay, good, good. Keep, keep yeah. those coming. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, we'll try. Uh, so, um, so let's look at the whole scenario from the attacker's point of view now. All right. And just right. run it backwards a little bit. Switch it up. Uh, and, and this is something that, like I said, 
don't just think of it from your hat. Do, do run this scenario through because you'll think of things that maybe you don't, maybe you're not invested in, in the time and the energy of training the martial arts. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. If you do this threat modeling exercise, you can prepare yourself in advance for situations that, um, that will not be good if you have to deal with them from a, a micro tactical level. Uh, run the situation from your bedroom. You, you're in bed, two o'clock in the morning, you're asleep. Uh, you hear the crash of a door being kicked in or whatever from downstairs. How do you respond? Run yourself through that. The parking lot scenario. Uh, anytime you leave your house to go somewhere, quickly run yourself. That means take a place in your head. You can do it pretty quick. Run yourself through what are the threats that I might, what are the, what's the risk I'm exposed to uh, in, a, in a parking garage, in a parking lot, um, you know, at the grocery store. Will you park somewhere different? Will you change the point of entry? Will you bring something with you, a, a tool or something to help you defend yourself? Um, will you let somebody know where you're going and when you're gonna be there? Uh, you know, running through these things. Uh, martial arts and self-defense training is as much mental as it is physical. And running yourself through these scenarios in advance can really save you a whole lot of, whole lot of pain and suffering perhaps later on. Same thing in the cybersecurity world. Run through these things in advance. Everybody at cybersecurity at any level, at some point, it's going to pay off to run through these scenarios in your head before they happen. So running the exercise in reverse. Micro-tactical. First of all, let, let's set the stage a little bit. Do you have any political adversaries? Uh, no. <laughs> have you angered any drug kingpins? Have, I hope not. Yeah, have you angered anybody who might want to have you assassinated? Well, we, we're doing a LinkedIn Live production, I, so I, potentially. Well, well <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll let. You, hopefully, they let you know in advance, and then you could prepare hopefully. for it. But well, let's I mean, assume. I mean, I mean, there's 49 people watching, but not that many people have commented, so I don't know. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I don't know. So the so the scenario is this guy most likely is not going to assassinate you. He is most likely doing what? Planning it. He he wants to oh, kick. Wait. He's kicking in your door and he sees you and he's gonna attack you because because what's his end goal? Probably, he wants something. Probably to steal something, right? Right. So so if we take the approach that that this fictional attacker wants to steal from you, you're simply an obstacle in his way. He he kicks the door in and he sees you going, uh, what do I grab? And he's like, there's an obstacle. I take out obstacle, my end goal is still achievable. Quite yeah, it's as simple as that. Macro tactical. The same guy kicks in your front door. Now, though, he's greeted by somebody who goes, oh, you kicking in my front door? Here's my stick. Now what are you going to do? Okay, so you've just changed the dynamic. Uh, his intention to clear the obstacle and get at the end goal uh, is, is different now because his risk to get through the obstacle and risk to reach the end goal has increased. Now, right. he may still find it acceptable. Uh, you, you, you don't know. In that situation, you don't know. So let's back up now. The strategic. He kicks in your front door. Your alarm goes off. Okay? Um, his risk now increases of getting caught. He's faced... You're facing him with your stick, and you're looking at him like, okay, your move, buddy. So now he's got, the risk of getting caught has increased exponentially. His risk of getting hurt has increased. 
Uh, suddenly his end goal of, of simply stealing from you has, uh, has been exponentially overridden by his potential for getting hurt and imprisoned. And it's all a matter of intent. Because in this situation, his intent is to steal from you. Your intent is to, what's your intent? To not, yeah. Your intent's up here because it's about survival. Right, right. Your intent now is greater than his. In a moment of confusion when you don't know what to grab, your intent is way down here. And he can, he can seize on that confusion. But now intent and confusion is in your favor. He, if you've thought through this and prepared for it, he's not, his intent is now less than yours because he has stands more to lose. And, uh, and because he's caught off guard by your alarm and the fact that you're just waiting for him, um, it's, it, his intent on that level is, is much less than yours. So from the mind of the attacker, you've, you've flipped the script on him. And you can apply that to, to the parking lot scenario, which is a great one. There's lots of you know, covered uh, parking garages in downtown Dallas. And I'm sure lots of them have no cameras, poor lighting. How many times was, were you at work or something, parked in the parking garage and gave no attention to the lighting or camera placement or proximity? Um, all you need is one, no one night where you work late and walk to your car and somebody decides that's, that's the guy I'm going to get. So, yeah, so would it be fair to say that you see cybersecurity as, uh, I mean, exactly for what it is, but with your lens of just being uh, all about managing risks and basically insurance, right? Insurance that we know what to do. It's absolutely what it is, and that's where it all starts. So any, anybody at a CISO level who goes into a new position, the very first thing that they want to do is assess the risk. You start at the risk management and you look at your, you, you, uh, the risk management framework, you take inventory of your attack surface. You map your entire attack, sur attack surface and you look at how somebody might attack you and then you rate uh, your vulnerability, you, you rate where you're most vulnerable and address it from a risk perspective uh, and then apply your controls. And it's, a, it's really, theoretically, it's the same thing as the martial arts. You're, you're doing the same thing. You're preparing for these what ifs, assessing the risk, and then applying controls appropriately. Wow. So in summary, uh, if you want to be in cybersecurity, get into martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. I, I, think, I think that's the big takeaway uh, here. I'll, I'll warn you, it's probably the long way to get there. <laughs> yeah. Right, the long <laughs> but, way. Uh, but it's definitely, and this is nothing new. I've seen articles uh, from, on LinkedIn from people posting about Aikido and martial arts, jujitsu and the martial arts. Um, so there, there's a thought process out there and people are making the connection. That's, that's really, really cool. So I want, I want to open this up uh, to Q&A. We're going to get into more of David's story. Uh, and then also, you got two sticks here. You're going to be doing another de quick demonstration I for can. us. I can. I warned you. There's a 99% chance I won't hit anything, which leaves a 1% chance that I might hit you, me, or something else in the room. All right. Just hit, hit me instead of the TV. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll do our best. Lila Smith has a question. Let me find it here. So, so, she said, do we all have to learn how to use cybersecurity sticks or can some of us just hire people in companies who already know this stuff? I'm so unlikely to get training in either cybersecurity or stick fighting. Thank you, Lila. Well, you know, that, that's a good question and thank you. Um, 
I would say that you don't have to learn stick fighting. You don't have to necessarily learn cybersecurity, but I, but I think addressing risk, oh, let's just say in general, addressing risk in your life is just a good thing to do. Your, your parents probably taught you risk management at a very young age. First time your ball went across the street, what did your parents tell you? Look both ways. Look both ways. Right. Okay, so. That risk there. So there's risk crossing the street, but what did they do? They applied controls to it. Yes. Okay, so now what can you do with that risk? You can, you, you can accept the residual risk, look both ways and cross to get your ball. You can avoid the risk and just say, hey, that ball's somebody else's now. Mm -hmm. You could transfer the risk and hire the neighbor's kid to go get the ball for you. Or, uh, um, or you can just uh, accept the risk and run across the street and get your ball without looking both ways. There's four ways to address the risk. But um, it, addressing risk in your life in general is always a good thing to do. And even if you don't want to go study a martial art, just put some thought into activities that you participate in your daily life and say, is this, is this dangerous? Is where I'm parking dangerous? Is where I'm walking dangerous? Um, is this location I have to go to a, a dangerous location? Uh, do I need to go there? Maybe I bring somebody with me. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of little controls that you can do to mitigate risk in your life. And like I said, it only takes seconds. You just have to put some thought into it. Right, right. So same thing from a, from a business perspective. Uh, if you're working, in, uh, you're working in a company, not necessarily in cybersecurity, you still have risk to deal with. Everybody has risk everywhere in their lives. So um, from a business perspective, even if you're not, you know, specifically in risk management, in cybersecurity, you should still assess the risk of uh, whatever it is you're responsible for and apply appropriate controls to it. And a lot, of, a lot of times it's really straightforward. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you don't have to have a big list of controls. It's like, okay, do I look both ways before crossing the street? Do I park under a light? Do I set the alarm every night as a habit? You know, these, these things are, okay, if this is the risk, then I know I should do this, this, and this. Got it, got it. So what, what would be some practical advice or tips for those who are looking to, they're seeking out cybersecurity training? Because you know, cybersecurity is like this land of golden opportunity right now, it seems like. So it seems, maybe it really is, but it kind of seems that way from a marketing perspective, right? Sure. You see everybody talking about it, there's a shortage of cybersecurity uh, jobs, or not jobs, people to fill the jobs, a cybersecurity skills gap. Um, what's your take on that, and then what's your take on you know advice for people looking to get in? Okay, so so I'm gonna kind of give the same answer as I would for the martial arts. Okay. Um, somebody asked me what martial arts should I take. Um, it, you know, it it depends. Uh, there's a lot of different fields of cybersecurity. Are you good at math? Do you want to be a cryptologist? Uh, or you want to be in management? So you want to go the CISO, or or you want to go the more leadership route? Um, do you like, are you strong on the networking side and you want to be, you want to work in a SOC or work with firewall? You, you have to make a determination of what you want to do um, and where perhaps where you're, you're best suited. Um, and once you make that decision, there are resources out there. And my, my advice, I'm a goal-oriented person, so if I say I want to learn about this, then I'll seek out the cer certification that ties directly to that skill set. and. I'll go get that certification, not because I'm collecting certs, but because I know that's the best way to motivate me is to have an end goal in mind. So my advice would be to identify the area of cybersecurity that you're most interested in and then 
go find what the certification is that relates most closely to that and go get that certification. Hmm. Interesting. And do you find, in your experience, do you think that the um, cybersecurity education tracks that exist outside of outside of certs, because certs have their place, but outside of certs, like all these schools are implementing cybersecurity programs now. Um, and you know, I don't know if you you know ever looked into the book. Yeah. What's your take on that? Do you think that they're pretty adequate, or they're get they're getting there and they're maturing? And I will tell you that a lot of them roll certifications into them. Um, uh, for instance, I'm enrolled in the Colin Colin College uh, cybersecurity degree, and um, as you progress in it, other than the standard college classes, there are certifications. There's CCNA, CISSP, which I already have. But those certifications you'll earn through the college degree program as part of the, you know, the total package. So they're, they're, they are progressing and maturing. Um, and I'm certainly not familiar with all of the, the, uh, all of the academia related to cybersecurity. Awesome. And David, say hello to your wife. She's listening and posting as you. She Great. said as David's wife, uh, he is so ingrained in this mindset uh, in me that, oh, he's ingrained this mindset, you've ingrained this mindset in her that she runs her response to attacks in, show, in TV shows and movies without even realizing it. That's awesome. It's a good girl. That's awesome. That's my girl. So I, I, I feel like um, in these cybersecurity programs, they should also like force you to take martial arts, it seems like, right? Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a good component there. If you mix. if you were raised in the Philippines, the phys ed program at most high schools is modern Arnis. Now, I don't know if it's all of them, but for many years, uh, uh, Professor Remy Prasis, who uh, founded Modern Arnis, um, spread that program through the Philippines in the 60s and 70s, and um, I think still today. I mean, somebody may know. Um, high schools may still te teach modern Arnis and Filipino stick fighting as part of their phys ed program. Hmm. Hmm. Um, quick questions that I just thought about in my head. iPhone or Android? iPhone. iPhone? I tried. I tried to go Samsung, and it was the most horrible, terrible year of my life, and I went back to Apple. And the reason I did it is I, got, I just got this thing in my head where uh, I'm sick of Apple, uh, you know, whatever. From a security, from from a security standpoint, though, iPhone or Android? Android? I would say I, I like Apple. Yeah. I, I think you could secure any device if you, if right. you uh, research it and you do it properly. But which one is out of the box, already ready to go? I don't, I don't want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, cybersecurity tools or a cybersecurity team? It depends. Really? Um, yeah, uh, you're, you're... No, no, you can only pick one. This, no, or, this or that. Cyber are you asking... Tools or cyber, which one do you put on a higher level? Tools or team? It depends on tools, it depends on the team. Uh, and it depends on the size. Your quick, quick one answer. Quick word, quick one. I, I would say t I would say team because, team. and here's there why. You go. Here's why. I had a really good team working for me, and we did not have a lot of tools, and we did a lot with open source or just manually. Mm -hmm. And we did a lot. Threat hunting is a good example. There's a lot of tools out there and uh, third-party providers you can do for threat hunting. Um, but I had a team of guys who had the mindset. And I myself would come into work and sit down and spend half hour to an hour every morning just poking around, uh, doing threat uh, threat seeking, um, you know, looking looking at places on the internet where where threats might come. Know your enemies is the biggest is the biggest thing you can do. So if you have a good team, the first exercise to do with that team is to make a list of those who might want to do your business harm, and and understand who they are 
and how they might attack you. Um, Sun Tzu, uh, The Art of War. The Art of War. Uh, yeah. I, I love that book. Everyone, a lot of people reference that book. Yeah, he, he, that, is a, that is an excellent read for cybersecurity people. But one of the things that he says in there is know your enemy. Know your enemy down to the last seed. And what he's talking about is uh, you not only know who your enemy is, you not only know who, what his weapons are, you know his whole inventory debt down to the last seed so that when you block off the routes of the food coming in, and they're resigned to planting seeds and growing it that after the next harvest, you know they have X amount of time before they run out of food. And so you play the long game and you attack them when they run out of food. Wow. Yeah. So just getting the mindset, getting, getting, the, getting the team, getting the right team with the right mindset is, is more important than the tools. Got it, got it. Uh, and I was gonna ask you book, but you already mentioned that. Um, and then just last thing, while wrapping up here, if there's no more questions, and don't go anywhere because he's gonna get, he's gonna show us his uh, stick fighting moves in a second here. But uh, last thing for the podcast here, um, you know, best piece of advice you've ever received from a mentor or someone that you admire. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, and this mentor was actually coaching me on nego contract negotiations. And I learned a valuable lesson because it never occurred to me that, what he said to me was, you, you ask. You ask for the discount or you ask them to change something. It's not like they say no and then they don't let you buy their product. They're still gonna sell you the product, so why don't you just ask? And so I would say just generally the best advice I, I had was, don't be afraid to ask. 